When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Janice Dean Podcast. Last week, I featured two of your favorite Fox and Friends weekend hosts, Pete and Will, and I was lucky enough to work with Rachel Campos Duffy this week, who was filling in for Ainsley. So I emailed her and asked if she would come on to make sure I got the whole curvy couch crew on the podcast, and she said yes right away. Rachel and her husband, Sean Duffy, host a podcast called From the Kitchen Table, which is so fun to listen to. And did you know that Rachel met Sean on a reality TV show on MTV? Many of us were kind of starstruck when she started filling in on Fox and Friends. But she quickly became family here, and we all love how funny and feisty she is. We had a great conversation about our mornings on Fox and Friends, also being working moms, and her devotion to her family and faith. Also, how she made her way to Fox. So here's my friend. Rachel Campos Duffy. Rachel, my friend, you made the Dean's List. I did. I I made it in high school and then I made it in. (laughs) See, I love hearing people tell me that they actually made a real Dean's List. Yeah. (laughs) When was that in high school? I think uh, once or twice in high school. And then, you know what? I actually did really, I did better in college than I did in high school. You did. What did you take in college? I studied economics and I was in the honors college at Arizona State University. It was a state school. Yeah. I wasn't at Yale or Harvard. That's okay. (laughs) And then after I graduated um, from Arizona State University, I went on on to get my master's at UC San Diego. Oh my gosh. So what what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? So it's funny. When I went into college, I thought I was going to be a social worker. Hmm. And I... I started in the social work department and then there were just a lot of things that just didn't make sense to me about how they were approaching things. And I had taken an economics course and I just, I just loved it. Mm -hmm. I thought it it was, it it made sense. (laughs) And so I decided to change my major. Um, But I do love social work. I love what social work does, but um, I didn't like the approach they were taking it at the school. So I'm glad I, I switched to econ and, I thought I was going to be a diplomat, which is why I went on to study um, international affairs in my master's program. Mm-hmm. But I had an internship in Venezuela with the State Department and realized I do not want to work for the State Department. <laughs> and then I got cast on a reality TV show and then the rest is history. <laughs> That's good, though. I mean, you must tell your kids it's good to try everything, you know, have yes. an idea of what you want to do, but get some life experience. And if you're going to pick a major or a subject that you think you're going to make a career out of, it's good to to try to volunteer or, you know, work without getting paid uh, to see what that job really is like. Exactly. It was so important to me. I I might have launched myself into this career path and I just wasn't the kind of person that would work well in that sort of bureaucratic environment. Mm -hmm. And I just instantly knew that wasn't for me. So yeah, finding out what you don't like is as important as finding out what you do like. And I do think that those internships and those opportunities to work in the field are so important. Are you sick of talking about the reality TV stuff? It's so funny because I was on the set um, this weekend and, um, you know, I, there was some guests that came on with Rick Reichmuth who were like big of real course. world fans. So, and he is too, yeah, by the way. He's a big real he world fan. He had big stars in his eyes when you came. <laughs> yeah, Rachel, he's a big fan. Um, so, but yeah, no, I don't mind it at all. You know, it's how I, it's how I got my start in TV. It's, it's how I met my husband. Mm-hmm. So I could never regret that. Yeah. And how did that all come about? Um, meeting Sean or, or getting, getting the show? Getting that job. Getting the show. When I was in my last semester at 
Arizona State University at, at the time. I mean, Janice, we're around the same age. So mm-hmm. you remember, I mean, everyone watched MTV. Yep. Things weren't as bifurcated as they are now where people are watching and streaming stuff. There was like one place That's where right. young people went and it was MTV. And um, they advertised that they were ha- had this new reality TV show. It had been out for two seasons and they were casting for the third and I made a videotape. I had a friend in the broadcasting department. She helped me put together a videotape. And I sent it in. And, you know, I went through, like, a series of stages, like maybe, like, seven or eight stages of different things I had to do until at the very end. They flew me out to Los Angeles. And and I was cast. I had no idea. L- later on, I learned that, like, 45,000 people had applied. And they wow. picked seven. So, you know, it was fate, I guess. Yeah. And I got cast in it and it kind of changed my life. It changed yeah. my trajectory and it was very formative for me, not just career-wise, but you know, I think even um ideologically. I mean, you're you're cast into a show with seven different people mm-hmm. from seven different backgrounds. Um and you're really forced through this experience to to question what you what you believe because you're being challenged all the time about what you believe. Wow. And so it was it was a really interesting and formative time for me and I, I I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about other people and I I have to say it was it was all around a, a pretty darn good experience. What was it like meeting your husband Sean for the first time? Did you meet him yeah, I on a, air? Yeah, I had my so the first moment I laid eyes on him is captured on video, um, which is kind of interesting. Most people don't have that moment <laughs> captured. That's amazing. I do. I do. And what was your face like? So I was dating someone else okay. when I met Sean. Um, and so I think he definitely had the hots for me. <laughs> Although my kids say saying you have the hots for somebody is really aging. But I, that's how I say it. Uh, they're like, no one talks like that, mom. Across. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Sean was interested in me more than I was during the three. We went on a we met on a spinoff show called Road Rules. Okay. And so one person was picked from all five different casts at that that were existent at that time. And then um, we were sent off on this travel adventure across the country. We went to New Zealand. It was about a month of filming and we became very close friends. I think he was really interested in me. And uh, but then by the end of the show, I was like, you know what? He's really a nice guy. Yeah. He's really cute. I think if I got rid of those glasses, I think I could like this guy. <laughs> What'd you do with the other boyfriend? I dumped him. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you know where he is right now? No, no. No, you I don't, don't even want to go down that no, road? No. Do you want to check on Facebook? No. I. You know what? I really think it's dangerous to do those things. Yeah? yeah. Tell me. I don't know. I just think I've heard of a lot of people who, you know, go on Facebook and reconnect with old, old flames. And I just don't, mm. not interested. I always want to know if they're doing okay. That's my only thing, not to yeah. rekindle anything, but yeah. just, you know, that they're doing okay. Because the, there's some I, I don't really want to know, but there are a few that were really important in my life and my journey that I just want to make sure that they're okay. Yeah. I no, would, this guy wasn't anyone I like. Was, okay. I, was, I just started dating him. It right. wasn't a big deal. And well, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what would you tell your if your daughter or son came to you and said, I really want to do this reality TV show, mom? What what do you think? I personally would not want them to do it. Why? Well, for the same reason, Sean and I have been approached um, probably 10 different times from, you know, big Hollywood production companies, including the one that did the Kardashians. Um, to do reality TV show with our family. And it's just like, I think, you know, when you've gone through it, I mean, I have great memories of it. For me, it was wonderful. I mean, also, I mean, when we did it, it was... It's different. It's different. It was Now it's political. Well, it's not even just political. It's just so much more, um, you know, because of social media, it's just so much more amplified. It's not simple. No, it's not as simple. And, you know, I, I would say that it's... I was probably a little bit, you know, I don't want to say screwed up, but not really quite myself I understand. a couple of years after. I think it's a very big um, shift to go from being totally anonymous. And again, it's hard for people to understand, like, at that time, MTV was, I mean... It was huge. It was huge. And so I went from being totally anonymous 
to not being able to walk into a restaurant or a bar with young people wow. and not and people not know who I was. And I think, you know, that can be a lot um, at that time in the, in your life. Yeah. And I just think it, it was complicated in, in, in many ways. I think I, I was lucky that I came from a good, solid family and that I was able, you know, to meet someone wonderful out of it. But it doesn't always end that way. I mean, you, I mean, the, there's a, there's, you know, the, the road of reality TV is littered with, you know, casualties, people who don't make it out of that experience very well. And so I just think I wouldn't, I, I personally, for our own family, I didn't, wouldn't want to expose my family in that way. And I would, I, I don't know, I just, you just get so protective of your kids. And I, I feel bad saying that because my parents didn't want me to do it, right? They didn't. Well, no. what did they say? So you, you went to them and told them? I don't think they understood entirely right. what it meant. This was like groundbreaking, it by was. the way. It was super at the beginning of it all. I think that they, um, I mean, look, I, I was, uh, you know, from a Hispanic conservative Catholic family living in Arizona. And all of a sudden, I'm going to move to San Francisco and be on some some MTV show and live in a house with other boys. You know, that was kind of a big deal for my parents. Yeah. Um, so there was a it was a lot for them, and they were not they were not happy about it. Hmm. But I did it anyway. I was kind of that kind of a person. And what um, do they think of it now? Um, I, I'd say they're prouder of other things I've done, yeah. <laughs> like like have grandkids. <laughs> That's an honest uh, answer. Yeah. How many kids do you have? I have nine. Did you set out wanting a big family? No, I never really thought about it. Now, I don't know if you know, Sean is from a giant family. Yes. Sean is a 10 of, of 11. Okay. So, um, but I don't think he planned on having a big family at all. Um, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I got married. I didn't want to take birth control for lots of reasons, you yeah. know, uh, health reasons. I don't think it was good for my body. And also religious reasons, and I've just sort of been open to whatever Happens. God brought us, and um, he brought us nine wonderful children, and it's been great. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, as a kid growing up, did you sort of say to yourself, I want a career, but I want a family, or did you just let it sort of happen in its Everything own way? Everything just kind of unfolded for me. Mm -hmm. I never really put too much thought, and that's not, not to say that I wasn't trying to achieve things or do things. I was, but... Um, you know, when I, when I got married, um, you know, I was up for the view at the time. That's right. I was up for the view and, um, I was in the process. It was between me and Lisa Ling. And I told Sean, you know, I, I kind of thought I was going to get the show. So yeah. I was like, listen, if I get the show, you move to New York with me. And if I don't, and he said, well, if you don't, then you're moving to this, you're moving to Hayward, Wisconsin. That's yeah. where I want to live. And that's where I want to start my life. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, 2000 people. And I ended up not getting the job, and I moved to Hayward. Do you ever think about that? Like, what if that road brought you to the view? How would your life be different? You know, I, Sean and I have talked about that. It's it's an interesting question. I don't know if, you know, I, I don't want, want to say, like, we wouldn't have ended up together, um, stayed together, because I believe in marriage. and But I think it would have been a harder road. I think because we moved to Wisconsin, Sean was able to... Um, become who he was supposed to be. Mm. And I think I was always okay. I mean, I, for 14 years, I was an at-home mom Yeah. before I got back into, you know, full time into, into, into work. I started working in, um, for the Libra initiative, doing some, uh, communications work for them. It's a nonprofit. And then that led me to hits here on Fox and then eventually to working for Fox. But for 14 years, I was an at-home mom and I, I I was happy doing that. I don't know if Sean would have been happy hmm. being the at-home dad. And I think, you know, that's sort of the, you know, I, I believe that the genders are different yeah. and that I could be happy doing that. And I think Sean needed to find himself. And boy, did he, he, you know, worked in, a, you know, he worked pro bono for the state, you know, representing poor people. He worked in his father's law firm. He eventually ended up in becoming a county um, assistant district attorney and then a district attorney. And then about 10 years into our marriage, he decided he wanted to run for Congress. And and that those 10 years were, you know, incredible for him. What was that like being part of a political family? It is the hardest thing we've ever done. Yeah. It's the most rewarding thing hmm. we've ever done. 
I think a lot of times, you know, having been on the other side of it, um, politicians get a hard rap. You know, they, they're, you know they're, they're told that they get in for the wrong reasons. I met so many people, Janice, who got into politics for all the right reasons. That's great. Now, there's people that maybe stay too long <laughs> and then, the, the, then bad reasons come up for why. But I think for the most part, I met amazing people. I mean, Trey Gowdy, Jason Chaffetz, you know these people well. These are good, good human beings who went into politics um, in the same class with Sean and um, and, and for the same good reasons that they want to do good things. I'll tell you that um, we started, we had in the middle of our, right after Sean announced that he was going to run for Congress, I found out I was pregnant with our six. And I was like, he's like, sorry, we can't, I already announced, we can't turn back. <laughs> and then we went on to have, you know, three more. And I think it is really tough the way we did it. I know women who have um, political spouses who their kids are in college or their kids are in high yeah. school. And boy, they're enjoying that experience on a way in a way that I could not. Yeah. I was, um, I sometimes, if I think too much about it, it feels almost like PTSD. Yeah, I <laughs> you know? bet. It's a lot of work. And when you're in it, you don't. You don't know anything different. You're just kind of going and yeah. going and going. And we kept having kids and it kept getting more and more complicated. And um, we just, um, and, and it was hard. I mean, Sean missed out on a lot of stuff. And um, I felt, you know, really overwhelmed. I think I'll never regret that we did it. Yeah. Um, I think Wisconsin was pivotal, um, particularly in 2016, particularly Sean's district, which I think you know, it had been held by a Democrat for 42 years before he was elected. Mm. And then during that time, the district became redder. And I think kind of he primed that for that Trump victory. And um, I think our district was the reason Wisconsin was won. And the reason and the reason he won was Wisconsin. Yeah. And so I have no regrets. I think the country was better for for those four years. But I think that for our family, it was really tough. Mm. And so when we got... When I got pregnant with my ninth and we found out that she was going to have downs and she had a, a horrible um, heart, you know, she had a heart condition that needed to be repaired. And, you know, we're experienced parents, but we hadn't experienced that yet. Yeah. And we didn't know what that was going to entail. And we'd been getting signs from God that, you know, we were kind of this was getting to be too much. Yeah. And so Sean made the call. I, I didn't want to change. I was pregnant and I was like, it's just just change felt harder than just continuing down this road. And Sean was like, nope. Hmm. And usually every decision, Janice, that we make is very, um, we're, we're very good partners. Yes. It's like a joint decision. Yep. One of the few times in our marriage where Sean's like, I'm gonna make an executive decision here. Oh. <laughs> get, I, I, I'm in charge of this family. This family um, needs to get off this road because we don't, we just have too much right now going on. Oh. And so, it's one of the times I listened. <laughs> they were so tired. Was I there some relief? Else. You know, yeah. Yes, although I was nervous. I mean, I had so much going on. I had the baby coming. I had, you know, knowing that she was going to have this heart condition. Um, and then, yeah, just the unknown. Like, what was that going to be like? And You know, it felt secure at least, you know, for yeah. a while. Um, but I, it's so obvious now. Like, thank God. We did that. It was the right thing. And it doesn't mean Sean's not going to eventually go back into politics. He could, but but it was the right thing for us to do. And yeah. I was really glad that, you know, I was so exhausted. I just decided to, you know. Go with it. Yeah. Give it up to God. Give it up to God. And boy, did he take care of us. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tell me how she's doing now. She is amazing. And I have to show you pictures as I'm talking to you because she, how old is she? she's three now. Oh. And over this, um, and was, I've been really amazed at the the special needs services in the, the state of, of, yeah, the community and the services offered in New Jersey have been 
really quite remarkable. And so they start them, um, if they're, if a child has special needs but down, they'll start them in school at three. So they kind of have some time to mm. ramp up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that seems too young. I didn't even send my kids to preschool. So I wasn't ready to, you know, let go. Yeah. Um, I thought she was going to be with us all day until kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And all the advice I got was, nope, she, she needs this. She needs this sort of routine. She needs to do this. So um, we put her in. She started in September. And she is she is just thriving. I mean, look at her in school. I'm showing oh. Janice right now. I oh, mean, my goodness. She's thriving. She gets on a bus. We put her on the bus. She has an assistant with her on the bus. And then she has an assistant with her all day. In, but she's fully integrated into a class with typical kids. So she's learning to do those routines and... Um, it's been really, she's, she, she's, she's made great strides just in the, you know, month and a half that she's been in school. It's, it's really remarkable. How's her heart condition doing? Great. Yeah. So we took her to the best doctors we could find. We were told to go take her to Lurie's Children's Hospital in Chicago. And she had her, um, she had two holes in her heart. They repaired that. She had some valves that weren't right, but her heart was this, I mean, it was this tiny, it was as tiny as like a you know, a small, like a smaller than a smaller, yeah, like a walnut, like smaller than an iPod case, you know, yeah. and um, or a or a earbud, earbud case, and there they, it's you know, I'll tell you, and that happened right in the middle of the pandemic when everything was shutting down, so it was kind of crazy, but we have the most remarkable healthcare system in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, these doctors are, I mean, they were amazing. It was amazing. I'm uh, glad, but you have to be your own advocate. I've learned that yeah, over no, the years, a hundred percent, right? Like you have to. You have to do your research. You yeah. have to talk to people. It, it's not just handed to you, you no. know. And and every state is different too. Um, yeah. And in, in the yeah, we we had a, through Sean's job as a congressman, we met so many, mm. we met a lot of doctors, and yeah. we, we just talked to every heart doctor we ever met, and got advice on where to go and what doctor, and we got really good advice. What was it like seeing that ultrasound and, and getting the information from the doctor when she said, you know, this is this is what's going to happen? Um, so the first thing they told us was that she was going to have a heart condition. And then there were a series of blood tests and my age and other things. And they called me and they said, um, I thought they were just calling me to remind me about my next appointment. They said, you know, you're, you're sitting down. We want to let you know something. And so then they said, you know, this this child is probably going to have Downs. It's like 99% mm-hmm. chance that she's going to have Downs. And so I called Sean. He was um, in Washington, D.C. at the time. He was in his office. And um, I said, hey, Sean, are you are you sitting down? I need to tell you something. I just got a call from the doctor. And I told him, um, you know, the baby is going to have Down syndrome. And he said, okay, is that it? Oh. And I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, the baby's going to have Down syndrome. Right. It's 99%. He goes, ah, Rachel, we know so many people with children with Downs. And everyone says it's the best thing that ever happened in her family. Yeah. And that's been Sean's attitude and our attitude. And it's totally true. I mean, she has made all the other kids better by her presence. She's hands down family favorite. Um, The only thing we agree on. (laughs) And um, she's just great. She's just a, she's a, angel. Mm. She's an angel. I've heard a story of uh, people who have, you know, challenges with children. um, And there was one couple I talked to and they said that they were out one day and um, the people next to them, I think they were at a sporting event. They had a child that, you know, had something wrong with them and they kept kicking one of their kids. And the mom kept apologizing and the dad said, well, don't worry about it because, you know, we have we have a a child that has a a lot of special needs as well. And then the mom of the child that was kicking the kids said, well, congratulations. And he looked at her and he was like, congratulations. And she's like, it's okay if you're mad at me for saying that, because I got the same uh, congratulations from another couple who had a special needs child. Uh, And I say congratulations because they are going to be the most one of the most important things that happens in your life. Yeah. And and the and how you will learn so much and how your family will learn so much and it will change you. And at that 
always stuck with me. It's it's very, very true. It also changes your perspective. Like I've always grown up pro-life. You know, I'm Catholic. Yes. My pa- my mother was a, a pro-life activist. You know, she was the, one of those, you know, Catholic ladies praying in front of the abortion clinic. So I grew up around that. I've always been pro-life. I've seen myself grow in being pro-life as, you know, as those ultrasounds have gotten better and better through, you know, with from I look at the grainy one that yep. I had with Evita all the way to these 4D ones that I've had with the last few ones. So obviously just you know, in terms of science and fetal development, I've I've understood that. But you know, with Downs, it's it's interesting. You know, Iceland says that they've eliminated, they, they've cured Downs. Mm. They have not. I mean, it's a chromosomal, you know, condition. They didn't cure anything. They've literally exterminated the entire population. There's no one born with Downs there because they do these genetic this genetic testing, and they almost you know it's almost culturally encouraged and. Uh, expected that you will have an abortion if someone if you're given this diagnosis of 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 a downs child and when you know i see valentina i mean she's no less human than any of my other children right. she's no less precious she's no less loved at the school that she attends right now it's a it's a public school she's the first child that they've had with downs in 10 years wow and it's just not statistically possible unless people are doing that. And again, what they're missing is this opportunity um, to see life through the eyes of angels. I yeah. mean, people who are—I mean, she's the most affectionate thing. Um, She's—I know she's only three, but she's totally unencumbered by things that—and and I've met adult people, many, many adults with, with Downs. And they are just in so many ways unencumbered by— the things that make our life so troubled. And it allows you to see life, I think, through the eyes of, of really what God would want. And mm-hmm. so I just think of how many, you know, souls we're missing in the world mm. who could, you know, like flowers that we've just cut down, mowed down. Um, so in that way, I think um, she's she's made me more pro-life. Um, and and I, I just think it's 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 a sad statement about our society and and what we think about you know what what does perfect mean mm. what does perfect mean it's true you know she's perfect to me yeah and by the way she's not it, the who also um put out a tweet talking about you know they they called down syndrome a defect and they're doing this on purpose the who knows that when you call it defective it encourages abortion mm. and Again, she's not defective. She's a human. She has a chromosomal vi- variation. She has, you know, you know, one one more chromosome than everybody. Else. It's like that. It's a different amount of chromosomes, but she's like she's just as human and just as precious. Yeah. Was your doctor? How did your doctor handle it? Did they, did they automatically say, "Hey, we have options here"? So I was very blessed to have had two doc, like the the doctor that was assigned to me because of my yes my my age, and then my own pediatrician are and my she was a nurse midwife, mm-hmm. both very pro life. So oh, I was wow. I was lucky I wasn't faced with that, but so many yes, women are of course yeah. so many women are, and it's 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 something that's happening in the medical schools, and it's really unfortunate because it is the deepest form of profiling. I mean, we talk so much about tolerance Mm -hmm. in our culture. It's profiling. It's the most intolerant way of looking at human beings um, by measuring them by these standards that um, I don't really think, um, I think every life has value. Mm -hmm. Well, I remember, you know, having my kids. So I had um, Matthew at 39 and I had Theodore at 41 and for both they gave me the the test at like four months to see if there was anything wrong with the baby you know they yeah. they want to know right away yeah so you have quote unquote options right you know God bless thank God you know the my boys are are good and healthy yes. but I think about that yeah well, you know all of a sudden we're supposed to be tested to see if there's something wrong with our child why can't we just Say we have a child and we're going to see it through to the end to have birth. Of course. And sometimes these tests aren't accurate. I've had I've met heard. so many women who have said they had a test that said their child was going to have whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the child ends up being perfectly healthy. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's just more, Janice, about, 
you know, do, do you have faith? Do you trust God and that he doesn't make mistakes? Hmm. He doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. When So you grew up with a lot of God in your family then? The ca- very Catholic, you know, traditional family, yeah. Yeah. And then Sean as well. Yeah, Sean's um Sean is Irish Catholic. His mother's a convert. Um, but his father is, you know, cradle cradle of grave Catholic. The eleven kids are pretty Catholic. <laughs> um but uh but I think together we've we've grown in our faith as a as a couple and we've mm-hmm. had to rely on our faith throughout our our marriage on so many levels. And mm-hmm. and I think for us also it just gives a structure to our family. I mean, obviously there's the the spiritual component that I believe, you know, Jesus is is Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the savior of the world, but there's something about a formal traditional religion that um, it, it sort of gives us a roadmap that's been tested for like 2000 years yeah. <laughs> um, that we kind of like, and we're both very much traditionalists and we love the traditions of the church. Um, we both love um, uh, Latin mass as well. Um, we, we just think that, um, those are things that are very grounding, um, to our lives and to our family and it's worked for us mm-hmm. and it may not work for everybody, but it's worked for us. How'd you guys do during the pandemic? You know, that's such an interesting question. So that first Easter, I mean, that was weird. I mean that, I mean, I'll be really honest. I was really disappointed with the Pope, um, I was really disappointed that he didn't say that our spiritual life was essential. Hmm. Um, you know, there were strip clubs that were open. There were bike shops that were open. There were, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and by the way, imagine how unhygienic a strip club is. <laughs> Gross. That we couldn't all go to church yeah. and sing together and be together. But through that, I did meet priests who were brave. Mm. So during the pandemic, and this is one of the things I've been really, you know, Janice, I've been, this, the pandemic I've changed been, a lot of us. It changed me a lot. It changed <laughs> yeah. me a lot. I started, I, I've never questioned authority more yeah. than I have now. Yes. I, I felt like we were getting run through the ringer. I, I received communion in secret. Mm. Like I was a Chinese citizen. Like I was a first century Christian. I thought that was crazy. But I did meet some brave priests um, who were doing that. Um, here, uh, the priest who um, is the priest at my kid's school, I wasn't here at the time, but he was doing mass in a Walmart parking lot, um, making sure that his flock was fed. Mm. Um, and for the Catholic, it's literally fed, the yeah. Eucharist, that spiritual food. And for for me, that was inspiring. There weren't enough of them. And it was very disheartening to me that I saw um, the Pope you know, taking meetings with pharma. I'm like, what the? I just thought it, a lot of things were crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what? And so I just really, I came out of the pandemic very changed. My sister always jokes. She's like, <laughs> my sister was at one point, she thought she was a libertarian. Um, she went through this whole pandemic thing change. She's like, I think I'm turning into Archie Bunker. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like so many of us just started questioning. Yeah. Everything. And, you know, I question, I, that's what, you know, today we had Piers Morgan on, on Fox and Friends and I, I questioned the wars, but I was already questioning that after the Iraq war um, and the Afghanistan war. And so I just, I, I think it's good. It I, I like having a good, healthy skepticism. I, I wish I'd had this skepticism during the Iraq war. Hmm. I got duped. Well, I'm glad I saw you guys talking and, you know, you have very different opinion of, of, of what's going on with Ukraine and Russia and he has his opinion, but it was very um, civilized. And I was like, wow, this is great. You know, I'm listening to you. I see your points. I listen to him. I see his points. And I just wish there was more acceptance of that. Thank you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's, um, I, and I think that's one of the things that was exposed during the pandemic. You know, we weren't allowed to talk about so many things that we now know we right. should have been talking like about. Like school closures. School closures. The efficacy of masks. Do you remember, Janice, when women were missing their periods? Mm. And they We told, whispered about it. We, we, we were knew, whispering. We all knew yeah. about it. We knew people who were in menopause 
who, who, got who now period. got their periods. And they told us it wasn't happening. And then two years later, they're like, oh, yeah, that was happening. I so know. now you believe women? It's, I, it's, it, it's infuriating. Just, it's infuriating. So there were things like that. Um, and Or and, questioning Fauci. Like, you know, for exactly. me, it was hearing Fauci say that... Cuomo was doing a great job in New York and I just I lost it and I'm not a political person you know that yeah but I was like no he's not there are thousands of deaths in nursing homes he is not doing a good job but you're saying that because he's your buddy and that drove me crazy and I've told the story about my kids being in public school I'm a huge advocate or was a huge advocate of public schools I went to public schools my kids were going to public schools and they shut down during the pandemic and my little guy could not handle the the tablet learning and i started talking to neighbors and they were like well the catholic school closed one day during the pandemic one day they found a way they made it work and my kids are now in catholic school we're catholic too yeah yeah but i'll i'll never I'll never go back. I mean, yeah. some people don't have the luxury of that. Yeah. I get that. But we're yeah. supposed to take care of our kids. And if we're not doing that, then we have failed. Absolutely. And you saw today, Janice, we covered this on Fox and Friends, that Fauci's now trying to say, I had nothing to do with the school closure. B.S. he of did. Of course he did. He, he he was on every single day. The most powerful voice in the pandemic. Yes. And he, he saw what you saw. You're, by the way, you're not the head of the NIH, but you saw kids are in Catholic school, not dying. Right. And kids are in public school and shut and their schools are shut down. And by for the way, years, for years. And by the way, people, ch- kids in China, China knows what's important for kids and the future of their country. They're still in school. They, they were in school. I think they were off for like a month or, or that's if, the, if that. And they caught them all up. They were all in school. Europe, some, some most of the countries in Europe also. So he knew what was going on. There was a conspiracy with the unions, with whatever. There were there were political reasons. Um, for why they wanted to create this panic. Um, and, and there are too many reasons to, to go into it here. But our kids were the were the, were, the, they were vic- the victims. They were the victims of it. And so, you know, I guess I guess the silver lining for me goes back to what I told you. I'm going to question everything. Mm-hmm. I'm and why question can't all. we question everything? Why can't we have civil Instead debate? of whispering, yes. I didn't get my period. Do you think it has anything to do with the vaccine? Right. Or my neighbor's son, their heart rate is now, you know, his heart is inflamed. We couldn't talk about that. I mean, there was just so much um, social pressure and it felt very Chinese. And I kept saying to, you know, I would go on Varney, I would go on, you know, Tucker, I would say my concern is when we come out of this pandemic, are we going to look more like America or are we going to look more like China? And I don't think that we've learned these lessons. That's why I get really, you know, frustrated when I see, you know, that there was no accountability for Fauci. I love that you brought accountability to Cuomo. Well, Uh, I mean, there was not yet. Well, to some, (laughs) I mean, he's not there. He's not there, but I don't want it shoved under the rug like this new, uh, you know, the governor that his lieutenant governor that took over Kathy Hochul. You know, she looked us in the eyes in a meeting and said, I'm sorry. And I give a damn and I want to find out what happened. She's done nothing, you know, but I'm not going to give up. You know, that's the thing. You take up advocacy. It's not a week. It's not a month. It's not a year. It's forever. It's for your life. That's that's what you're fighting for. And we have to get that accountability because it's not just, you know, it's the tragedy of your um, in-laws who, who who died because of these decisions. We knew right away that the elderly were the most susceptible. We, it does a ten-year-old yes. would know not to put COVID into nursing homes. Exactly. So, so why did they do it? But but also, how many elderly? I mean, I feel like it's the kids and the elderly that would suffered the most. Yes. This. And how many of them died of loneliness? Oh, absolutely. Still going them, on right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. I exactly. still get emails from people who have their parents in elder care facilities and because they don't have enough nurses That's right or, oh it's terrible the staffing the, the staffing awful. issue is the other underlying problem from yes. the whole shutdown and, the, and and everything that happened to the labor market as a result of of the pandemic you're right, right. they couldn't find they still can't as you said they still they can't. can't find i just did a story today on fox and friends and the article that I was reading to talk about it, which was this labor hoarding that's happening where, you know, they're holding on to, you know, people are holding on to the few employees they 
have, even if they're subpar, because if they can't let things that they would maybe fire you over, yeah. they're not going to because they're so afraid that they won't have it. Well, okay, that's one thing if it happens in a pizza parlor. Right. But when it's happening in a hospital mm-hmm. or a nursing home or psychiatric uh, facility, I mean, that's dangerous. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. It also drives me crazy that they've, you know, fired all these first responders who, when we didn't have vaccines and they risked their lives and we were, you know, we were celebrating them every day at seven o'clock, banging pots and pans, and they were fired because they didn't get the vaccine. I mean, it's like upside down world. And again, I know this podcast is not usually political, but these are all things that we're talking about in the privacy of our homes. Yeah. And, you know, I... I don't think of myself as conservative or Democrat, um, but these are the things that happen to our families. And that's why, you know, it's important. We have to talk about it. We can't just whisper and think we're bad people for talking about these things. Yeah, it's it's not like accountability is for revenge. It's not. Accountability is so it, so it, it doesn't ha- happen again. Exactly. Because if you just ignore it and pretend it doesn't happen. And now we have we, now I'm starting to see it on the schools on all sides that we're starting to see, you know, um, some accountability that this was detrimental to our children. Yeah. Um, Let's pray it never happens again. I, I really pray. Um, but boy, fear is, a, fear is a factor for a lot of people. And they amped that up and they got a lot of people to to go along. I saw a bumper sticker, Janice, the other day on someone's car and it said, I'm raising lions, not sheep. Mm. And boy, coming out of this pandemic, I, t- I told Sean, I said, that's my job. You know, I, I, that's our job to, you know, but through our actions to what you've done, um, you know, there's no way your kids have not absorbed, um, you know, the courage you had um, and what you were up against and the kind of attacks. I mean, I remember going on Twitter and the kind of attacks you got yeah. from people in the media. I mean, it was just amazing that you stood strong. Your kids are seeing that. Um I think that's good. The next uh-huh. generation might be more courageous because of that. I hope so. Well, I love what you guys do on Fox and Friends Weekend. And I love the friendship that you all have. Yeah. That's that's rare. Yeah. You mean Will and Pete and I? Yes. We do love each other. <laughs> I mean, it's great. Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's fun. It makes, you know, it makes getting up at 3 a.m. a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's never easy. I always say, like, that's the hardest part of the job is. is getting up so early. Yeah. But, they, you know, we, we just have a ball. It's, it's four hours, so it's an hour longer than, than the weekday. Um, and it just flies by. We just have so much fun. Sometimes we almost forget that we're like doing a show. <laughs> yeah. I get jealous because I think you clearly have more food. Yeah, uh, we have a lot of food segments. Food's a big part of it. <laughs> when you have four hours to fill, you know. <laughs> What's your favorite part of working at Fox? Um, well, one, you can see I, I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> But, you know, it's good because you get to vent, you get to pull, but you can also back up your opinions. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people have opinions, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if they can necessarily back them up. Yeah. I feel like for me, like I I run into people who watch our, our network all the time. And I think my favorite compliment I get is people say, Thank you for saying what I'm thinking. And I think, you know, it's such a, it's, you know, it's such a privilege to have this platform. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just promised myself that getting this platform, I just was going to be honest about what I thought. And I know that, you know, through, through the years that I've been in television, that there are a lot of people who think like me who don't get a chance to say what they think yeah. um, or their voices aren't heard or there's a culture that silences them and censors them or tells them they're bad people or, you know, wrong think, you know, you're not allowed to say that. And so I just feel like, you know, I, I feel really privileged to have that platform and I feel a real responsibility to be to speak the truth as I know it. You know, it doesn't mean like I, I can be wrong and I'll come back and say I was wrong about this. I say that all the time about the border issue. Like I was very critical of Greg Abbott. I was like, this is a stunt. Wow. You know, and I had to come back and go, you know what? The stunt worked in like, you know, sending sending the, the illegal immigrants to other places so other people could experience what Texas was feeling actually worked to get it in the news. And so I, I will admit when I'm wrong about things, but I, I love I love the people I've met here mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met amazing, 
good human beings. Um, I'm lucky that I get to work um, through Fox and Friends with people like you and Will and Pete and Ainsley and and Brian. And I meet, I've met so many good people. And that weekend show is um, is a lot of fun. It's a lot of food. <laughs> Even, we had guests on this weekend that brought food. I'm like, I think people know we like to eat here. <laughs> so if they're going to have a great segment, they bring us food. Um, but we, but we, just, we just have fun and we try and we have you know, conversations like people have around their, their own, you know, tables and, and in their own homes. And I think that that's, that's what we want to do. We just want to, want to bring, bring that kind of um, energy and, and, and the the kind of common sense conversations we all have. Mm -hmm. One thing I've learned about people trying to suppress your opinion is you just want to yell louder. Yes. You know what? You're, it's, it's so true. Yeah. You know, I think that, it's like a, it's like a boiling yeah. pot, you know, that mm-hmm. wants to explode, and that's why censorship never works. I mean, you know, it, with social media, you see people being, you know, I'm censored a lot on social media. I, I know they're messing with my algorithms all the time. Um, oh, they ask people uh, if this uh, tweet has anything to do with the weather for me. Oh, do they? Oh, yeah. People will show me. They'll screenshot it and they'll see a tweet or they'll like a tweet, and then it, Twitter will do a sort of. Um, a pop-up that says, does this tweet have anything to do with the weather? What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's insane. Yes. I don't know if it happens to any other profession. Like, does this tweet have anything to do with sports? Yeah. Like, does you're only allowed to talk about the weather, right? Dennis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's actually a little bit misogynistic. It, oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Like, yeah. people's favorite comeback is, oh, weather girl. Oh, oh, oh well, I've clapped back at a few of those people. <laughs> I've, I remember that. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so yeah, no, that's true. I, you know, the answer to, to, to speech you don't like is more speech. More I speech. Mean, more speech, more speech. I've, I've become more adamant about that that's, that, that is the answer. I really hate the censor, censorship culture we're living in. Mm-hmm. And I'm not being um i'm not exaggerating when i say that i'm worried about us turning into china i i do believe that there have been things that have happened throughout the pandemic um deliberately i think to put us on the course for a social credit score Mm. system and the digital currency worries me because of that um and just you know so so many people self-censoring yeah. Because they're afraid they'll lose their job, they'll yeah. lose their livelihood. Um, they they won't they won't. No one will say hi to them at the school when they pick up their kids. I mean that that is um, that those are real fears people have, and I think in this job we have the ability to normalize a certain point of view that we may have, mm-hmm. um, and I think that gives people courage to, to go out. But on the other hand, I've had to say this, and I say this a lot of times to Fox people. I'm like. Don't outsource your opinions to like your your voice to us. It's uh-huh. it's it's one thing for us to say what we think on TV. Yeah. But it's not enough. You have to say it at your school board. Right. You have to say it in your at, at your family table. Yeah. You have to say it at the water cooler because there's too much self-censorship going on and people get the impression that their views are a minority when in fact you know, half the country thinks the way you think. That's right. You just don't know it because everyone's suppressing. Mm-hmm. You guys have a, a podcast as well. Tell me about that real quick. So Sean and I have a podcast called From the Kitchen Table. We literally do it from our so kitchen table. <laughs> you have little microphones at the table? Yeah, we just went up on video last week. So our first video version of it went up and we do it from our home. And we do twice a week. So once a week we have a guest. Okay. And then the other day we just kind of sound off. Yeah. And sometimes I have to remind myself, shut up, let Sean talk. <laughs> I have a big mouth. But uh but we but we we enjoy it and we 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 get to, you know, just talk about things everybody's talking about. Sometimes Sean has to talk about the royals and he doesn't want to. <laughs> what are the royals? Yeah, exactly. The queen. Oh, you mean like oh I oh. thought you were talking about a sports team like no. Kansas City Royals? No, there's no sports on our podcast. <laughs> Does he like the Royals? No, he no, doesn't. no. He doesn't like talking about the British royals. Oh, okay. I gotcha. So, yeah. 
<laughs> I brought on a royal, a, a British royal expert. Yeah. And um, but he went along with it. He had fun. He so, you know, it was when the Queen was, you know, the whole funeral was was going on. I thought it was so fascinating. Yeah, of course, it's yeah. fascinating. Well, I'm from Canada, where she is. Well, now the King is our head of state, so we grew so up. So is that with a that. thing in Canada? Like, do I mean the Commonwealth? Is that explain? Yeah. Explain because I never really understood outside it's of England exactly, how it works. It's it's the same system, the parliamentary system. But the but the but queen the is queen. our head of state, but it's more like a figurehead. But is she respected and revered in the same way? Yes, for the most part. I mean, I remember in Canada growing up, especially Christmas, you listen to the queen's address. address. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, and when she comes to visit or, well, now she's no longer with us, but um, that is a big day when the royals come to Canada. And and do you think that Charles will get the same kind no, of reverence? I don't think so. And is that because of what happened with the Meghan Markle thing or his own doing? Uh, well, I think, you know, the Princess Diana thing was a big deal, mm, yeah. right? Sure was. And even though Camilla has probably gotten, you know, better in the press, there was just that, you know, sh she really did ruin their marriage. And I'm sure I'm sure that they probably both wanted the divorce and and, you know, that they should be able to have a divorce. Yeah. But um, it just put a bad taste in everyone's mouth. I think most Canadians would probably want William to be king mm, instead of Charles. But that's just that's just I haven't lived in Canada in 20 years. But I know my mom. This was such a big loss for her and wow. for Canada. It just felt it. And I have mixed opinions on the the royal family. You know, I I think it uh, it needs to be updated big time. Um, I thought the I thought the funeral went on forever. It was too long, you know, but yeah. but she apparently planned it that way. So yeah. I guess she's <laughs> able to do whatever she wants. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, our whole government system is based on in England. Um, the prime minister can be the prime minister forever. There's no term limits. Wow. Um, not a big fan of uh, Mr. Trudeau. Me either. Um, but, you know, I don't I, I don't live there anymore, so I don't really have a say. Is Justin Trudeau um, Fidel Castro's love child? <laughs> no, but I have a really good story. Listen, I don't know. I mean, his mom. Have you seen the picture side by side? Well, his fascinating. Have you read up on Maggie Trudeau? No, I mean, she was. Oh yeah, she was kind of a. Oh well, she was at Studio Fifty Four with yeah, Mick Jagger. She, she was quite a love child. Yeah, um, I did. I, I did hear that that yes. she was like a. Listen, mm, anything I think is possible. But go. I have a good story. Uh, so my mom, uh, Pierre Trudeau, his dad, who was Prime Minister of Canada, he was. I don't know where he was traveling. He might have been traveling to Russia. And, you know, my dad was always very interested in politics. And they had found out that the prime minister was going to be at the airport. And my mom's like, let's take, I was just a baby then, not, a, not even a year. Let's take Janice to the airport, see if we can, you know, see the prime minister. <laughs> and and they, they were, they saw uh, Pierre. And Pierre, my mom tells me this, that he came right, he saw her in a crowd because my mom was very attractive. Uh, and he came right over. Over her to her and ignored my dad started talking to her and you know was like oh how old is you and we have a picture from the Canadian press of Pierre Trudeau Justin's dad talking With to my the mom great Janice Dean well yes <laughs> I was just a baby but my like my mom I said to my mom like he wanted to take you to Russia oh yeah <laughs> he's a ladies man I could have yeah. been Justin's step step sister yeah. <laughs> but i'm glad i'm not yeah uh, <laughs> me too anyway oh listen well to be continued you're just a, a delightful person uh, i have already known this but i appreciate you taking the time I'm and coming so to talk glad to me to be on this uh, yeah. podcast you're doing a great job with i that love it i love it i love the fact that we can talk and there's no commercial breaks and there's no you know there's only so much you can do when you only have about three minutes a segment right or without a producer going rap rap <laughs> Rap. That's yes. what that's what we hear in our ear all the time. Rap. <laughs> but sometimes you keep going, right? Sometimes we keep going. But they get more. The raps get more and more stern. Oh yeah, yeah. It's good. It's all good. Okay, I love you. Thank uh, you. Next Janice. time, Sean will be here, and he can. He that can, would be fun. He can talk to us about the royal family. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Janice. You got it. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on the Janice Dean podcast. I really enjoyed our talk, and Rachel says she will definitely come on again. Don't forget to check out her podcast, From the Kitchen Table, and tune into Fox & Friends Weekend with Rachel, Will, and Pete.
I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.